Hello, hello. Today, this was a great episode. You know, this is like a, a, a dream come true episode, I want to say, because when I first started this podcast, I was aware of this game, and I remember trying to reach out every way possible. Um, before I found out like my good strategies for trying to get guests on the shows, I used to just go everywhere. I was like, anyone connected on LinkedIn, anyone connected on Twitter. Um, I'd go to their website, and instead of like, there was never like a contact us page. It was always like, a, do you need help? And I'd be like, hey, I want to put everyone on a podcast. And of course, when your podcast has no episodes or very few episodes for people to reference or listen to, um, it's kind of hard to convince someone to want to be on your podcast. So this was one I remember reaching out multiple times. And uh, I kind of had given up hope until I reached out to Santiago. And I, I was just expecting no response as always. And I was like, man, this is a game I've wanted to have on for so long. Because it's such a great game and there's so much promise with it and so much going on. And I just really, it was the first like AAA Web3 game I found too. So it really had an influence on me to go, wow, this is where Web3 gaming is going. This is amazing. I can't believe this. And um, Santiago, I remember, replied, he's like, hey, I'm really busy. We'll get back to it. And I was like, ah, man, like he's probably just being nice and doesn't want to say no. And uh, I pestered him like a few more times and it just was like, he's like, oh, sorry. Um, they were launching Sage Labs at the time, which is their browser player version of essentially the game. I'll get into it in a sec. We talk about it in the podcast, actually. And so he was really busy with all that. So then finally, like a week or two ago, I reached out and was just like, hey, do you still want to be on the podcast? And he's like, oh, man, yeah, I totally forgot about this. And I was like, no way. And uh, I also had no idea what, he did with star atlas i kind of thought he just helped uh do a lot of community engagement and things of that nature but no um he's the director of community at star atlas santi's been in web3 for over four years working at star atlas for almost three years now he started as the community lead when there were zero members and no product and he's been able to scale it to over 190,000 people in their Discord and 312,000 Twitter followers, which is crazy, guys. That, that's an immense, amazing scale to have. And um, he has a small team, but really, uh, he talks about it on the podcast, how he, eventually how he got there, how he did it, the ways he worked about it. But I digress. In this episode, we talked with Santiago Okomo, the director of community at Star Atlas. Star Atlas is a next-gen gaming metaverse emerging from the confluence of state-of-the-art blockchain technologies, real-time graphics, and multiplayer video games. Using Unreal Engine 5's Nanite real-time graphics technology allow for cinematic quality video game visuals. In addition, blockchain technology using Solana establishes a largely serverless and secured gameplay experience. Player assets obtained and traded within Starless create an economy that replicates tangible world assets and ownership. Again, I want to say it that the vibes this game always gave me was this amazing No Man's Sky, finished No Man's Sky, not launched No Man's Sky, which I still thought No Man's Sky at launch was great, but I get why people had issues. What it's become has been an amazing comeback. So we'll say current No Man's Sky, Starfield, some Fallout aspects, it just feels like an amazing RPG, a space RPG, which we're missing so much of, I feel, just RPGs, period, in Web3 Gaming. So I've been really excited about this game for a long time. The showroom's open, and that's really cool. You can go play around with stuff, but I'm really looking forward to when the single-player campaign launches, and I'm going to have a lot of fun with it, guys. So I really enjoyed talking to Santiago. He really knows his stuff. He really cares about Star Atlas, and I think... They're doing a lot of great things there and are going to bring a really, really fantastic game. So 
I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Once again, dream come true to be able to talk to this game. I, I feel like I've made it already as my podcast, just being able to have them as a guest. So my name is Matthew, and this is the Web3 Gamer. Tired of the same old terrestrial pork? Ready to elevate your sandwich game to interstellar levels? Introducing Galactic Gammon. Sourced from the finest pigs that have been raised on the moon's zero-gravity pastures, Galactic Gammon is the space-age solution to your earthly ham cravings. Each slice is infused with stardust seasoning, giving it that authentic cosmic flavor. Thanks to our patented preservation process, it stays fresh during long space voyages or just in your pantry. Galactic Gammon. It's not just ham, it's the future on a plate. Hello, hello, friends and gamers. I am Matthew Simone. I'm the Web3 Gamer, and I am here with Santiago Acomo, the Director of Community at Star Atlas. Did I get your last name right? You got it right. You got it right. It's <laughs> fine. People people change it all the time for me, so don't worry. Like, the accent. <laughs> but you got, it. you got it right, I think. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, and you're calling in from Buenos Aires, right? Buenos Aires, Argentina, best city in the world. Yes, I've heard nothing but great things. Have not. It's it's on my list of places to go for sure. I've never heard a single bad thing about it. Yeah, man, it's a beautiful place. Definitely, it has the it has the European vibe, but combined with the South American culture, which makes it a very unique place to be in. Well, that's a beautiful uh, combination of things because since I'm in Southeast US, we get a lot of really a beautiful mesh of a lot of that Latin American culture. And then having been to Europe a few times and seeing that European culture, I can't even imagine the combination of those two, but like appreciating the art and the beauty, the culture of both of those. That's a really interesting combination. I've never heard anybody tell me that's that's the that's like the combo of Buenos Aires, but that's really cool to hear, yeah. actually. Some people call it the Paris of the South um, because oh. it was designed around Paris, so the our president who designed the city at the moment uh, took, I would say, a lot of inspiration from Paris. So mm -hmm. it's designed in a very similar way, and you have uh, certain neighborhoods that have all the Parisian uh, architecture. So huh. it's a nice place. That's it's right. a nice place. Well, that's really cool. That just gives me more of an excuse to come visit now and push it up on the list. Uh... <laughs> you will be more than welcome to come visit, man. I'll guide you around. That makes it even better, dude, because that there's nothing better than having a guide. You know, it, it's fun to wander a little blind, but uh, when you have somebody who's like, nah, we'll, you only got this much time, we'll maximize it. It, it helps yeah. a lot. So I appreciate yeah, that like, extension. No, I've been traveling solo a lot, and it really changes when you have someone from the from that place because you instead of focusing on certain things, you can just relax and yeah, just follow someone, you know? that That is a major change when you're traveling. <laughs> well yeah because especially like travel is obviously by nature a luxury and a cost and you want to maximize that so if you're traveling on your own and sometimes you'll miss stuff i've had it in the past where i'm traveling somewhere and i'll meet someone afterwards they're like did you go to this thing i'm like no what is that they're like oh why didn't you go i was like because i didn't know about it but and then it'll turn out i was like maybe right. like really close by it and they were like dude it's like one of the coolest things i'm like Wish, wish I'd talked to you before i went or had somebody <laughs> told me that like it happened to me many many times when i feel that <laughs> yeah, so, so just an excuse to go back and see all those things we miss. But um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, honestly, I, you've been working at Star Atlas for a little over three years now. You said, 
close to three years close to okay. three years. yeah man so how did you even how'd you even get into that uh, well i guess let me ask this so you know we we talked about like you're from buenos aires i don't know if that's born and raised for you but um before maybe you got into web three crypto like what was your background before that or did you kind of just that's been the start of like your career path it's been the start of my career path uh pretty much uh, i have done other things in the past but like more on the entrepreneurial side um but always in community building as well um first thing i remember doing was uh, me and my friends we did a web page uh, we were bored basically and mm-hmm. we we're going to parties and stuff like that. And we realized that there wasn't a simple web page that will make bonding before the party um, easy mm-hmm. uh, and break the ice. If you have a group of a group of girls and a group of boys, and you have to go drink something and you need to bond together, we figured out that nothing was there in place, at least in Argentina. And yeah. we created a web page and we made a TikTok for it and it went viral <laughs> we had like um eight million clicks in one year i think and wow over five hundred thousand users uh we were super noobs at the time and we i think we made off of that we made like two hundred dollars three hundred dollars only so it was just for fun definitely <laughs> mm-hmm. but that was my first adventure and that was the first time that we said oh wow this this is actually cool we could do this. our ideas sometimes work you know <laughs> and it was interesting that one. It was interesting. <laughs> well, so even with something like that, did you did you feel like you had your strategy down to like get that to be marketed as well as it did or were you just kind of like it was really just more so trying to create a solution to a problem and then all that marketing and kind of viralness came after the fact. It it, it was sometimes people over overcomplicate marketing in my eyes. It's just um Knowing who you're targeting and how to get there, basically, how to get it in front of their eyes, it's that simple. And uh, we knew that we were marketing towards a young audience, and we knew we needed to get that on TikTok, basically. It was back when TikTok was just starting, and everything went viral. Like, everything that hit the platform went viral. Sure. And <laughs> it just went viral almost instantly. We were just refreshing the page. and It was only, we only did two TikToks. Um, I think it was a combination <laughs> of a bunch of things, probably a lot of luck involved as well. But well, yeah. you 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 know as well as I, like once once it starts like trending, the algorithm kind of does a lot of heavy lifting for you. The hardest part is getting it into that trend, really. Like if you can yeah. get it in there, though, it's it's just like you're like this is pretty awesome. I just sit back and it's just getting thrown in front of people's faces all the time. Like <laughs> for sure, for sure, and other people will pick it up as well and do a video on top of it and. Hey, it's just beautiful how tech works. I think it it was a big revolution in the social media industry for sure. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, and so I mean, maybe you wanna as much as you are allowed to discuss, wanna tell any of our listeners what is Star Atlas at the end of the day and what are you maybe trying to accomplish with it or what is it trying to be in the Web3 yeah, gaming community? Absolutely. Uh, maybe I tell you how I got here and, and then we get into yes. that. Yeah. Yes, let's do that. Yeah, so I was in crypto ever since. Um, like being in Argentina, it's difficult to just combat inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of our economic situation, but it's pretty bad. Um, our inflation is really high. Like the currency gets devaluated, like devalued against the dollar. This week, I think it was like 25% just this week. Um, so being in Argentina, like people are more open to finding ways of protecting their income and their savings. 
uh, and I would say the crypto adoption here is pretty, pretty high, like very, very high. And so I got into crypto pretty much when I started getting money in my pocket um, and started buying Bitcoin to protect my savings, basically. And then I got, um, I think it was 2017, 2018. Um, then I discovered Ethereum and that was a complete different rabbit hole that I got mm -hmm. into. I think it's the, the common path, right? You discover Bitcoin, you discover Ethereum, you discover DeFi and all the possibilities that there are with the smart contracts and everything. I just get mind blown at it. And then after that, I discovered crypto and gaming. Gaming has been a huge passion of mine. Um, I don't even remember what was the first game I played, but it's been, a, I'm a lifelong gamer. Um, I spend a lot of time gaming with my friends, even nowadays as well. Um, in the Stratless, uh, with the Star Atlas uh, team as well, we play a lot of games as well. And I discovered the niche of crypto and gaming and thought, oh, this is huge. Like, this is a game changer. Like, just being able to own what you have in game, um, it's just like the perfect combination. You know? And so I discovered Axie first. This was late 2020, early 2021. Um, so got involved in Axie. Didn't like the game, honestly. Much respect to Axie, definitely a pioneer in the industry, but um, it wasn't the type of game that I enjoyed. You um, know, at the moment, 2021, like we're talking January 2021, nobody, there, there were very few projects in crypto gaming. Um, oh, yeah. Axie, that weren't GDs, and a couple more that they yeah. were looking really good. <laughs> so, that weren't play to earn, at least. Most of them were play to earn, but continue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And... Then I found Star Atlas, like diving deep, I'm telling you, like deep research on crypto gaming. I found Star Atlas and they only had, um, the break was just getting started. They only had the web page and, and a white paper. That's all it, there was in there. And so they had an opening for a community lead at the moment uh, position. So I applied, I decided to apply. And this is February, 2021. Um, and I got the job in March. So that's how I got, how I got here, <clears throat> basically. And you, and you've never left. <laughs> and I never left. I fell in love. It was instant. It was no, it was I, no. That's great. I mean, and I feel like that's a lot of people I meet is, um, either they get involved with a project and they're like, hell yeah, I'm here till it basically dies or the company goes bankrupt, or yeah. they go, I tried doing that for so long, got frustrated, I couldn't get involved, so like I just started my own game. And it's like, they're like, it's not I didn't want to do that first path, it's just nobody would hire me because I either couldn't fit the role they want or didn't have the experience, so I just decided to get a bunch of other people who were smarter than me and be like, look, if we all work together, we can make a cool game too. So it is funny to see that that's, that seems to be the two paths I notice people go in. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, and I, I wasn't like super qualified for the position either, um, honestly, at the moment. Um, and I, I just got got into the first interview and showed that I was willing to do anything that they wanted me to do, man. Like, just this is what I want to do with my life. And I am 100% decided to do it. Um, and I think I was able to show that in the interviews, probably. Well, yeah, I mean, but like, I'm sure you could at least, if nothing else, be like, I had a TikTok go viral, you know, like I did, you had some oh, sort yeah, of entrepreneur yeah. blood to be like, I've done like kind of building my own project and like yeah. have proof of like making things work. So I'm sure that helped at least. I was, too. I, I was also working in, in crypto. I was working for a crypto newsletter, doing community management for them. And I also had a couple of extra things going on, but yeah. Mm -hmm. 
in on paper i i would say and they have told me after like after they hired me you weren't the most qualified (laughs) (laughs) just the most enthusiastic maybe or maybe just they were like i well because i would say that's a good quality to have is be enthusiastic i've I've definitely had that in a job interviews where they're just like yeah you weren't the most qualified but you seemed the most enthusiastic and really passionate and we're like that's gonna outsell like skills any day because skills can be had in time unless it was somebody that were like man it's really hard like this person has like 25 years experience like you know where there's just not even a competition just get yeah get the role uh no but yeah totally man i i kind of made the decision in in my head like there's no way around it i want to work here and this is what i want to do for the next few years in my life there's no way around it i went to the the interview like just very decided on that Yeah, I would say that's a good thing, dude. Well, then, so so what does, because I know kind of some people think of community management, like a lot of people, especially when they're like, oh, Discord. But like, it's so much more than that, you know? And so I'm wondering to you, how do you, how do you like think of or how do you define community management? Or like, how do you feel like your role extends obviously far beyond just, you know, managing Star Atlas's Discord or making sure things aren't like going crazy in there? Yeah, well, that's a big part, though. <laughs> sure, of like, course. Managing the Discord is a big part, but I think it's a, it's a. There are many combinations uh, for successful community management, in my eyes, at least. Um, first of all, you need to get to the people with your marketing team, to the people that will probably like the vision and understand what you're trying to do, um, and drive them through a funnel where they know what they have to do, what they can do, once they join the community. And have a clear path of also like evolution inside the community itself. So, for example, in Star Atlas, you join the project, you understand the vision, um, you get involved, you can learn about the project, you can play the game, you can then start participating in community events. You can then, after the participating in the community events, you meet people in there, you can join a guild. Like, there's a clear progression on what you can do, which is key for for community management. So, going to your question, like, there's a lot that goes into it, like. Um, Discord is definitely the main hub, but you have to take care of your guilds in, in the Atlas case, um, take care of the guilds, take care of events, support, content creators. Um, you just have to make sure that everyone is set up for success in your community and that they know what they can do for, for the project and how to get involved um, constantly as well. Plus communicating with them, exactly like what the team wants you to communicate with them. So. I would say very roughly <laughs> that is um, what encompasses successful community management for a Web3 game in my eyes, at least. Sure. And so, I mean, I, I feel like we, we jumped across this, but not on purpose. So we've kind of been talking about like how you're getting people involved in Star Atlas, but what, I guess, again, what is like, what is Star Atlas? Like, what are you trying to bring to players? Like, what is, what is the game ultimately trying to be? Because if, if I try to sit here and explain it, I'm going to relate it to traditional games out there and be like, oh, it's basically this, but it's not my game. I'm not developing it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, of course. It can be compared to many different games, of course. Like, you can compare it, maybe say that it's a combination between Evil Line and Star Citizen, for example. Um, but for a classic gamer, maybe some people play those too. Um, but what we're trying to do with Star Atlas, basically, we're a AAA um, metaverse based around space exploration. Uh, we are building using Unreal Engine 5 technology and building on the Solana blockchain as well. And we have two main products. We have the UEFI product, uh, which is in the showroom stage now, uh, where you can just 
go and see your NFTs in the game already and just race. You can dogfight. And we are adding multiplayer later this year as well. Or I probably shouldn't have said it this year, but later. <laughs> and, uh, later, yeah, we will be adding multiplayer. And we have the browser-based game, which is called Sage Labs. Uh, right now that it's out. It's called Sage, Star Atlas Golden Era. Um, and what you can do, that game is browser-based and runs all the game logic on the Solana chain. So you can get in there and you can, right now in the current iteration, you can go with your ship and you can mine, you can craft, and you can extract resources and sell them in the marketplace. Um, so every it's everything is run on the chain, all the game logic, and all the resources that you get are fully tradable in our marketplace as well. So it's it's creating this real-life economy as well. Um, but we can get into that later. Um, the big vision for Star Atlas is to build a AAA a metaverse where people can just um, interact with each other, where they can have fun and just enjoy the game, basically. Well, and and it was funny because when I first found it and was um, like looking at this was when it was just like they just had the trailer before they had the showroom and then really playing around in the showroom. This is how I felt um, up until Starfield came out. I was like, oh, this feels a lot like No Man's Sky. Like once No Man's Sky got really polished and was like where it's at today, not original launch No Man's Sky, obviously. Um, and then once Starfield launched, I was like, this also reminds me a ton of Starfield. So in in that comparison, because um, I know like your y'all's plans is like to add in that exploration later. Obviously, right now the showroom is like you said, it's really just um, like dogfights, racing, being able to see your NFTs. It's um, it truly is like a showroom. Like it's not meant to be like a final reflection of the game. No, definitely not. But it's it's meant to for people to already understand how the game is going to look like because you can see the quality of the game already if you get in there. Oh it's yeah, already, it's, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, right? And yeah, yeah, it looks great. And that that's why I went in the showroom is I was just like, oh yeah, like you said, AAA graphics, like everything looks yeah. great. And that was initially what caught my eye with the trailer as I was again, as you've seen, there's been this surge in Web3 gaming of um it's been really nice to see like AAA game style coming out, which has been, I feel, long overdue. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh it's needed and we need to push the industry forward, definitely, with uh, high-quality products. Um, I think uh, Star Atlas is really doing a great job, especially um, on the UE5 side as well. Um, when 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 you talk about high-quality graphics, I think that is a high-quality, repetitive, and fun gameplay experience is what is going to drive the masses into the market. I think, in, in my opinion, definitely, that is what is going to make it. And I think we are pretty close to getting there with Star Atlas, honestly. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're also in a good time where, like, the the space exploration games have gotten so, I mean, again, even before Starfield, just with them, I say, so insanely what feels, I mean, I'm no astronaut, but feels realistic to me. Like, if I was going to go explore space, I'm like, I feel like this is pretty close to how it would actually be. Maybe the tech's a little different, but whatever, that's part of the sci-fi <laughs> feel of it. Um, and so I get that feeling just playing around with having played around in the showroom with Star Atlas. And that's, I think it's a good time to be releasing like a space exploration game. Um, like who knows that maybe if you were 10 years sooner or 10 years later, it might be like people are like, ah, oh, like that's been done and we're kind of tired of that. Like, you know, there's always like a tried and true audience, but I feel like, you know, there's sometimes waves in the gaming community where like people are like everybody, like think about when Battle Royale first came out. Like, yeah. 
everybody was like, we all need to make a battle royale. And there's still plenty of really popular battle royales now, but there's also a lot of people who are like, oh, another battle royale. Like, and they won't even touch it because of that, unfortunately, whether it's going to be a great game or not to them. Yeah. Yeah. And we also see an uptrend on like solo games as well. Like, I love to see that. I love campaign modes. <laughs> I always been playing Same. them in Call of Duty and every single game. Like, I just always play the campaign mode, even if they have multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I love to see that with Baldur's Gate. Like, I'm not, I probably you played Baldur's Gate, everyone did. Um, but if you didn't, I'd recommend it. It's very interesting to see how you can change the story. And, like, if you want, like, you can just kill a main character, which is wild. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great. I, I've been playing through it a bit. Um, I have not finished it, but um, I got distracted with um, other games on my list. That's the problem now with. Not having enough time to play games is too much releases. And if there's a game that I I try to make a standard of I'm like, I will not jump to this game until I finish this game. But if it's a game I've been really wanting to play, that's the only exception I'll make. I'm like, ah, I've been wanting this has been like on my top three list. I year. feel that, man. I feel that <laughs> so much. Like it's happened to me with the past three games, I think, that I tried playing. Um Baldur's Gate, I didn't finish it. Red Dead Redemption 2 I was playing before, didn't finish it because I started playing Barlow's Gate. And it's just <laughs> that continuous loop of like, just not being able to finish the games, man. I feel you. I yeah, totally my back, you. my backlog continues to grow as I age. And I've just had to accept that there's no way I'll be able to play every game I want to. But maybe one day when I'm retired, i am be like, cool, now this is where I get to play all that backlog of gaming. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Well, and so y'all said you were um, you developed on the Solana blockchain. Is there a reason you wanted to pick that over another one? Because I feel like the popular chain right now, or kind of maybe not right now, kind of has been for all, has just been Polygon due to the really low gla- gas fees. And so it seems to be really easy onboarding for people. Um, but most people I've met have been chain agnostic. They're like, look, just because we're using this chain now doesn't mean we're like, this is the best chain and we'll always be the best chain. I feel most developers are like, we're happy to switch if things work. And I think eventually we're going to see chains take such a backseat that it won't even like, it won't even be something you need to really like tout about your game in the future. You'll, people will just be like, it'll be so native integration, but we'll see. But what do you know the reason why they picked that over maybe another chain or? Well, yeah, I, I can get into that discussion for sure. I think um, definitely the, why Stratless chose Solana is because of the low latency, high output, uh, low transaction uh, fee uh, that Solana provides and the very, very high scalability that it comes with it. You know? um, I would say if Solana has one of the lowest transaction uh, fees in on all chains, basically. And Definitely. With the things that they are building, with Fire Dancer com- coming as well, which is a major tech improvement, uh, we will see the output that Solana can do improve, like maybe on 100x. So it's definitely one of the most scalable blockchains. And Star Atlas always had the vision of building Web3 for real. Because there are a lot of games that do, like, the whole game is Web2 and they just add NFTs on top, which is a complete. Yeah. It's it's completely valid model, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like it's a valid model, but Stratless takes it a bit uh, a step further, where we want to develop on-chain game logic, and for that you need a very high high scalable uh, blockchain, right? Like Solana, and you can see now with uh, Sage Labs uh, the release that we were talking about on the browser side. Um, 
we have hit uh, over two million transactions per day on, wow. on that, uh, just on that release um, and on that game only. So, and it's one of the first releases. So it needs to be scalable uh, for us. And we plan to continue developing on top of it. And we even opened the, um, we opened the platform for developers to communicate directly with the blockchain programs that we developed. So they can just build on top as well. Um, communicating directly with our programs. Um, so it needs to be highly scalable for Stratless to develop it. Um, that's our vision. Like we believe in decentralization and permissionless um, blockchain systems. And we, at the end of the day, also have the DAO that is under development. Um, and at the end of the day, the player base is going to own the game. That's the transition that is going to happen from Automata, that is the company that is developing Stratless now to the DAO, that ownership will be transferred once the game is pretty much in a good place to go fully decentralized. But that's our idea. And that's why we develop on chain. No, I, I think a lot of people have slept on and continue to sleep on Solana. I, I think they're really, um, like, unlike other chains that are just like, look at all the crazy stuff we're doing and like really tiny. I think Solana is like, kind of like a sleeper giant, like they'll do stuff and it will never be there. They rarely come out and are like, look at what we're doing. It's like somebody else is reporting on them and people are like, whoa, well, if they didn't report how we'd know. And they're like, I feel like they're really good about just keeping their kind of their nose to the grindstone and being like, we're just working to make a really good chain, keep up to our promises and work it forward. Um, that's why I asked, because I was like, I don't see many um, games working on it. And I feel like a lot of people since in the recent, bull i'm sorry recent bear market a lot of people kind of like for some reason wrote off solana and i still don't really fully understand why um yeah no i don't either i think there's a lot of breaks definitely following the capital um in, the, in this sure. bear market and following the liquidity which is also fair enough as well um and maybe that's why i don't know but i really think solana is a great chain um it also has the highest Nakamoto coefficient, which is an indicator of decentralization as well. Um, and I don't know, man. I'm really deep into Solana, honestly. Like it's <laughs> the only it's the only chain I use, pretty much. Of course, I use Ethereum, but I don't use any other chain. Not even Bitcoin anymore. I use Bitcoin, but just, okay. I don't I transact missed. on Bitcoin. I don't no, transact. I know. <laughs> I just I, I had to because of where you're at, man. You know where you yeah, started, yeah. but. Uh, no, that well, so um yeah, and that was another thing that was really interesting is your I haven't run into any other um game that has wanted to create a DAO and fully work it out. Um and I'm curious what was the was the full intention behind that just because that's kind of like it sounds like Starless at a core really, you know, believes in decentralization and really wants that to be a thing going forward. But what it what was the hope or what's the What's the end game of by giving the game to the community? Does that hopefully allow them to further develop it, update it, create new things for it? And then you all just simply have input, or is the whole end goal eventually to be like, we created it, we, you know, we we birthed it to a point where it can sustain itself with the community. It's in the community's hands whether it lives or dies from this point forward. That's the idea, yeah. The second one. I don't think it's okay. gonna it's I don't think it's gonna die, definitely, because we're already no. developing together with the community. And mm -hmm. getting the feedback really into account as well. So we know that our community is liking what we develop, of course. Um, but at the end of the day, like the possibilities of 
decentralizing are huge. It's it's huge. You can see just asset ownership, in my opinion, is already a massive, massive thing and why I believe in Web3 gaming. But taking it a step further, like just the players owning the game um, and having GameStar serverless and decentralized as well, that is what we're aiming in the long term to do with Solana, um, will just boost that to a complete new level. Plus, the community being able to build on top. Like right now, we could be competing against our community in real time as well, in the sense of like we opened our programs for people to build on top. So someone could come and develop a better UI for our game, for the browser game, for the for the browser-based game. Yeah, and we will be competing like our developers against community <laughs> developers, quote unquote. You know. Yeah. So yeah. at the end of the day, when we just um, when when Automata doesn't have the majority stake in the Star Atlas DAO. Um, the community can totally vote us out of development, and that and we're fine with that. That's the vision. Like, we hope not. We hope that we're developing a good game that they will like us to keep building it. But yeah. we believe in decentralization. Uh, we believe that um, as gamers, I think we have all went through one of our favorite games, just shutting down the servers or not allowing mothers to keep building things um and that's that means that the game dies but if you give it to the community um the community understands and can maintain a certain standard of quality as well which is what we're doing now that's why we are developing it ourselves and not fully decentralizing now because you want to have a certain standard of quality and just have a product that is fully functional before yeah. going fully decentralized right of course um, but it really opens up a ton of possibilities. And if you believe in decentralization, um, that combination with gaming is just limitless. Yeah, and I would say that's that's the major thing to me that set you apart from every other project I saw in Web3 Gaming right now. But especially because I feel like I see you see a lot of games either promise or say they're going to do a lot of things for their community and then kind of when push comes to shove there's either excuses why that can't happen or there's um it doesn't get prioritized but i feel like for you all for at least as long as i've been following you which i guess at this point's been only about six or eight months it's been like a core part of the whole company what you are is um what you're trying to give and the experience and all that and um it's not just it's not just showroom like you know, it's not just light work. Like I've, I've definitely seen y'all like the way you interact and the way people interact in your discord. Like there is a very big cater to your community there instead of just being like some games where they're like, don't worry, we got your back guys. Like, and you're like, I, you just get a random discord update and you're like, I don't know anymore. That's the 10th time this has happened. And we're still going through like a terrible shit show. So no, no, if we say that we'll be killed. <laughs> 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 no, but it's, it's one of the company pillars, I would say, the community. Um, definitely. definitely. And definitely what keeps us going through this bear market. Um, I, will, I would say we wouldn't be able to make it through uh, without the community. Um, I would go that far. And it's just um, in the vision of Star Atlas, community is, is key. Like It's AAA quality gaming, um, community first approach. Uh, that's what we're building, decentralization. It's um, it's in the company, and it's not only like me because I'm the director of community, but um, also like from the C level, uh, especially Michael, our CEO, um, he has that vision and shares that vision as well. Um, 
and he always goes to the community for feedback, questions, and like we rely heavily on our community for a bunch of different things. Well, yeah, and and I think a lot of, I think when you know when the money was flowing in the bull run, there were a lot of companies that like that was a nice idea, and it wasn't until the recent bear market that a lot of people may have realized um, if that wasn't their intention with their game first and foremost, didn't realize they're like if we don't make this like a core pillar of our game. It's almost like it feels like some games kind of do it like, you know, not not as willingly as they would want to because they realize if they don't put it in, like people aren't going to be as attracted because the standard has been set high now. You know, with games like yourself and other ones where the community is set force and first and foremost in a reasonable manner. I've definitely seen games where um, they give the community too much power too soon and it kind of goes sideways for them. But I think the yeah. the idea you all have of getting it to that standard you want and then eventually, you know allowing it to phase out if that's the course of things or phase to the community. I should say not phase out. Um, (laughs) That's like, that's a total fine. That seems like a reasonable course of events for a game to happen. Because like you said, reasonably so if they like the work you're doing and they like what you're doing, like why would they vote your developers out? They want you to keep developing and keep doing it. It would only be to the point that if you, they were like, you're not delivering anymore. Like you used to like our developers who are doing mods, other things are, we want them to keep developing. And you're like, totally fair. We get that. And I think that's, that's a lot of power that, some people would be upset about sharing or giving, but again, as you've said, like two of your core pillars of the whole company is uh, decentralization and uh, giving to uh, making sure the community is has a big play in what happens. Absolutely, man. Uh, we that that's our belief, and I would say it, it has already paid off. Definitely, like uh, we're fully community funded as well. Um, except uh, I think we had a seed round. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I don't remember. <laughs> But yeah, like mo- most of our funding, I would say 99% it's community-based. So um, we are also committed to building something for them. And we see them as part of our team. We go even that far. Like we, I have people from our community asking, um, hey, so how, how long in advance you know about things that are coming or how long in advance you test things? And I'm like, guys, if I know about something, it's probably like, just a couple of days before you. Um, we <laughs> share everything in real time. It's yeah. in real time. Um, and sometimes I even... And that, that has it, the good and the bad, of course. Like You have the two sides of the spectrum where mm-hmm. on the bad side is you are making mistakes in public. And some people also... You need to have a high level of education on what you're doing for your community to understand that they are in early, they, they will see you make mistakes and they are going to have to engage with not fully finished products. But yeah. not, not everyone understands that. There's a lot of people that are in the community that want to see, I would say most of our community definitely understand it. And of course, the benefits outweigh the, the bad things. But you also have those things where it's, guess this is not a finished product, but we'll get it out there. We'll get your feedback and we'll iterate based on that. Um, and some people would not like that. You have to be willing to go through the things together with the team to be able to participate in a community in such an early stage as Web3 Gaming is right now, you know? Well, I think it's reasonable to make mistakes of that sense rather than, you know, something happens along the line. You know, a perfect example, I've seen this happen on projects where they've gotten some insane amount of pre-sale money and then something 
something, nothing really happens for six months and they go, oh, guys, we're like right around the corner. We just need like six thousand more dollars. And you're just like, you had so much money before that. What do you mean? You just need some, where, where's the money? go? And I can see how like a mistake like that is where either somebody's never managed like a project of this scale before. So they unfortunately don't know what they're doing. Or it's just the money was mismanaged at some point versus being like, oh, we brought our like somebody else I was talking to where they were like, we test our like their their team um, was like, we test our game all the time. And when we did an open beta, we didn't do this thing where somebody could like we were like, people are going to play in this certain area and they're not going to leave this area. So they didn't worry about testing outside of the area. And then they're like, apparently some dude was like, there's a mountain. He's like, I wonder what's at the top of that mountain. And so he climbed to the mountain. And it broke the whole game. And they're like, yeah, it ruined our beta for like a solid amount. And people were really upset. And they're like, guys, we didn't, we didn't anticipate this. But this is, those are the kind of mistakes that I'm like, that's reasonable. Like, that's the kind of mistakes you want to make. Because that's Absolutely. people going, we're going to make the game better to make sure this doesn't become a normal thing to the point people are like, I'd love to play Startless. But if it's crashing every time because of something like, I, it's unfortunately, you just get so frustrated. You go, what's the point? So I think there's reasonable mistakes to make like you're talking about. Versus unreasonable where it, um, it just erodes the trust really quick where people are just like, I don't know, you keep making these promises and saying things are happening, but then you keep asking for money or giving like really vague reasons for the delays and we don't see anything. Yeah, I think it's part of like, it's the same. We're all humans and we have to build trust with each other as well, um, especially in such um, such an early environment, such an early ecosystem like crypto is. And there are many bad actors, of course, as well in this ecosystem. Um, so it's very important to share and build that trust so the community knows exactly what we're working on, what things are coming next. And if things don't work or we have to delay, like they know the reasons as well. Um, if they are technical, we, we give them the technical reasons. Hey, look, like this is why um, we wouldn't we weren't able to get this out uh, this week. Um, and we give them the technical reasons because they understand it as well. Um, so that kind of transparency, it's crazy for like the classic Web two um, way of doing things. But <laughs> I think uh, it has a ton of benefits as well. It's harder, definitely, as well. <laughs> but it has uh, huge benefits. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think luckily, too, even in traditional gaming, people have really softened to the idea of reasonable game delays. Um, because I I keep thinking about how many games... It's almost like a common occurrence now. And again, I have no problems with it when somebody's like, hey, the game was supposed to release February. We're not releasing it till March or April. And they don't give a reason. And you go... Yeah. Okay, maybe well, they're working out bugs. Maybe there's maybe they're trying to reduce crunch time. Maybe there's a whole multitude of reasons we don't know. But if it means the game is going to be in its best stage when it comes out, who cares? I can wait. It's fine, you know, right? So I think yeah. I think luckily people have softened to that idea and come around to that. So um, I think in Web three, like you're saying, just being able to actually give a reason and explain it, it just it only benefits you. I think. Yeah, absolutely. But that that requires like a huge commitment from the company side as well, like. Having to keep a whole user base updated and cool and happy with your product or with your project, not product, with your project uh, in real time takes a lot. Like, it really takes a lot. Uh, it takes very efficient communication pipelines internally but, and how to share that externally as well. Um, it takes being, having to be out there in the, in the Discord or in the community every day, every minute. It's every yeah. day, every minute. There's something going on. I, I can assure you, there's something going on. Oh yeah. Um, and just uh, for example, on our end, we have the Atlas Brew, which is our weekly Discord event. Um, 
and we get different team members or we, we just chat about the project and what is going on and related to what is going on at the moment, right? And we also theorycraft about the future. Um, but people know that we are there, people know that we are developing and people know what is going on. And that is really important. But again, like that requires a lot of structure, both um, internally and externally on how to share things and being able to constantly share progress, which is something that Web2 games are not used to do. Yeah. Web2 games are not used to just constantly every week push um, new material out of the things that you have been working on. They are not used to do that. Um, and we have to do it. It's the commitment that we took. Um, so it requires like a huge structure to keep the community happy for sure. Well, and like, so when you came on, obviously you helped scale their community to a massive place where they're at now. And I'm sure as that goes on, um, you know, hopefully you have other people in place who can help share that workload. But if not, obviously that just adds more to your, what you have to take care of and manage. And so I guess twofold is one, like, how do you even begin for people who have, you know, any strategies you want to share? How do people even begin to grow a community or what should they be looking for, looking to do? And then two, if they start to grow their community beyond what they can handle capacity-wise, let's say they're a one to two-man team, what should they be looking for in other people to help them manage their community as efficiently as when it was just them managing that smaller community? Yeah, no, that's, those are two great questions. I think um, if you're trying to build community early, it's what we've been talking about before. Um, transparency is king. Transparency and content, those are the th two things that you need to really be taken into account um, just committing to a certain degree of transparency that you will have to commit for the rest of your product life basically so you have to commit to it uh, and you will have to be transparent with your audience it's not for every project to build um, in public um, but if you want to like that that's a level of commitment that needs to be like company-wide commitment on doing that um, and yeah, like scaling a communities has been really, really intense for sure. Um, but something that you will see is that <clears throat> a lot of people from your community will start identifying ways of adding value to the project. And what I found out is that a lot of people will just reach out to me and say, Hey, like, look, I can help. I see you guys need help with this. I can, I can be that guy. Um, and you just give them the chance. At, the, at least that's how I managed to scale my team. Um, everyone that is on my team, we are currently taking mods into account. We're seven people um, mm -hmm. in my team. So we have uh, Dominic, who is our community manager. We have Arthur, who is our support uh, specialist. And we have five mods. So that is our community team. And it started with only me because we were zero people in the Discord. Well, it was 500 people when I joined the Discord. We're 190,000 now. Yes. <laughs> pennies, to pennies to dollars at this point. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And um, just both um, Arthur and Dominic, they, they both came from the community and they were just reaching out to me amongst other people as well that were just reaching out to me and saying, hey, man, like I want to help. I want to be part of the project and I want to add value where I know I can. So it's a matter of like just finding the correct people, giving them the chance to perform, and then like getting them on your team. I would say that's the that's the formula that we used. 
No, and I think that's a good formula to follow because um, I, I think when you get people internally like who are involved in your project, and most of those people probably, you know, you don't have to disclose whether they're they're on the payroll or not. But I definitely, I think a lot of people when they start out, they're um, they're like, obviously, I'm going to do it because I already love this project. Want to do it? Like, I'm not I'm not expecting to get paid. And some of them are like, I never expect to get paid, and that's fine. And then it's only later on they're like, hey, you're adding so much value. Like, we feel like we need to pay you. And they're like, well, this just makes it even better because I was already willing to do this for free. Like, you know, that happens. That actually yeah. happens for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just if you have a community that grows, like you will be able to grow together with it, or at least that's why I experienced, you know, like you just have to be very present in there and listening to what they have to say and what they need. And you will be able to identify areas where you need to add value in real time. Um, I think people really sometimes, um, committee is definitely like a buzzword right now, especially in crypto. Yeah. Um, and, and a ton of projects like just overcomplicated. Like best committee strategies to get to a thousand users a week. No, <laughs> like the way is having a product that people are interested in and being present. Like there's nothing that compares to being present in your community and listening to what they need. Like that will always go the longest way. That will always like they will tell you, we need this. Um, this is what we we think you guys should be doing better, and you just listen to them and identify ways of solving those things and just improving. You know. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes total sense. And I mean, I think too, obviously, like once you scale to a certain point, it's really necessary you you have those people you can rely on. Because otherwise, unfortunately, it comes to, you know, you would never intentionally um, ignore someone who's looking for information or, you know, just blow them off. But if, you know, when you have 190,000 people in a Discord and there's only one person, you're like, it's just bound to happen, unfortunately. So it really is good to have those people who are dedicated in your community who can help you know, if something gets passed over through your eyes, unfortunately, somebody can bring it back up the chain and go, oh, yeah, we never address this. And you go, oh, cool. Yeah, let's address it right now. We have the answer. You know, it's not worth doing it intentionally. Whereas there's plenty of discords where it just gets ignored because they're like, we don't have a good answer. And silence is better. Some people, yeah. for some reason, are like, silence is better than giving the truth because the truth is going to get responded to terribly. Whereas like silence, silence is always going to get responded to way more terribly than a bad answer. Silence is the worst. Sil yeah. Never, never, take yeah. <laughs> <laughs> never, 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 never. Silence is never the answer. No, that's, and it goes back to what we were saying before. Like you're being transparent. Like you, you won't be able to stay silent. Like you will have to share what is going on every time in real, in real time. <laughs> like that's the commitment that you're making. No, definitely. Well, and then so then it sounds like, you know, for y'all, like Web3 gaming is like is a big future platform for y'all. Um, but some people look at it as kind of just like this unique ecosystem to complement traditional gaming. I kind of feel like we're in this interesting area where they're they're obviously two very distinct um roads and they run parallel to one another, but they they crisscross connect at points. So I'm curious if you feel like that's going to probably be the future path forward or if you think Web3 is going to continue to, we don't have to say outpace traditional gaming, but grow to a point where it might compete on equal terms with traditional gaming. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think so. I think um, like we are already seeing growth in Web3 gaming. 
and there is no game that has yet achieved a fun, repeatable, AAA quality gameplay experience. There is no game that has done that with character progression, uh, like just that sense of progression overall. That is what gets you hooked in gaming. You know, like nobody has accomplished that yet, and mm-hmm. you already see the industry growing a lot, and it had it had its boom, of course, in the last bull run. But I think uh, it's going to be one of the key drivers for the next one. I think it's going to be once any of the Web3 games in development is able to get into that mainstream area, like it, it has to be any, it will just unlock a huge wave in my eyes of new people like just interested in the ecosystem. But to go to your question, I think Web3 gaming needs to be um, a separate ecosystem than traditional like it needs to stay um separate because i'm i'm a believer that the people who came here to web3 gaming is because they want to see things being done differently than in traditional gaming right so we need to make sure that we always live by that you know that we don't forget the values that brought us here which is the decentralization the um, asset ownership and the possibility for people to be involved early, build on top, and develop, you know, and own the game at the end of the day with cases like Star Atlas. So I think we definitely need a traditional audience, um, but there are values that we need to sustain in time, for sure, in Web3. Yeah, well, and it's really cool, too, to see that there's so many, uh, like, long-standing people who they made their career in traditional gaming and then they've found out about web3 gaming in just like the last like year or two and now they've started their own company or they're developing a whole new game they're like i have nothing against traditional gaming i just i was in it for like 20 25 years web3 gaming is much more appealing to me because this is something they're like as a gamer i've always wanted to be able to like own my own assets or like have community input do all these crazy things and so it's really cool to see a lot of those people coming in and be like this is awesome this is great and so it's interesting to have that like mesh of the two where like they're strictly developing in Web3 gaming, but all their experience of like, you know, game design, um, front and back end development, all that is from a traditional gaming perspective. So like I feel like that's really helped to bring the um the standard up really high quality, as well yeah. as people just all together wanting to we went through that really interesting phase in like 2019 to 20 uh, before Axie Infinity, I should say where it was just like, it felt like when the app store first got launched and everybody wanted to be like the next temple run. So there was like a million yeah. shovelware games and like for every like thousand games, there was one actually fun to play one. And it felt like that for a long time until somebody's like, oh, wait, I, we can't do this anymore. I want to, I want to stand out. I want to make a fun to play game or something that's actually worth people's time that are going to get them engaged, not just try to get ad revenue or something like that. And I think that really helped change it as well as people from traditional coming in. But I even think about too, just in the last two years, the amount of news articles that I see that report on Web3 Gaming, whereas before that, it was like, if you weren't on Twitter in the communities or you weren't in their discords, like that was really the only way you could find out about any of these games or, or know what was going on with them. Whereas now you actually have like dedicated news platforms for like Web3 Gaming where people are actually like trying to like bring people's attention to these games, put them out there, things of that nature. And so I think that's shown like a really good shift too as well. Yeah, and th- there's more to it as well. Like me maybe giving the the insider look from like working in, in a Web3 gaming company, I would say like there's definitely, at least on our end, all the marketing that we do is fully organic. 
we don't spend a single dollar a month in marketing right now. And that is because you need to get there with the product first in order to be able to convert users that are outside the ecosystem that will understand the product that you're developing now and that will be able to be onboarded to that, right? Um, and it's, it, it's what I was saying, like games are not there yet. We don't have that funnel yet on like, you get in there, you play the game and you know exactly what you have to do and you know that you will be hooked. Like you, you almost instantly know when you play a game, like that, that you will be hooked to it. You know, like there's a clear sense of progression, uh, there are repeatable experiences, multiplayer, um, stats, at least I'm a huge stat nerd. I played Call of Duty for many, many years just because I love to see my kill death ratio going up, you know, <laughs> like just the small things like that, that the industry is just not there yet. But it, I feel like we are really, really close, not only on the Star Atlas side, but on many other projects that once they have those games, like they will start going to acquire the masses. And once that starts happening, like it's going to get really interesting. The traditional game is going to start paying attention for sure. For sure. Well, well, yeah, and then we even have like in the traditional gaming, like Razer has their own Web V, uh, Web three VC firm. Um, you know, Ubisoft's trying to do their own Web three thing. Um, Square Enix, unfortunately, just tried to go the the NFT route, and it didn't work out too well for them. Um, and you know, even Immutable having their partnership with GameStop, like there's a lot of um linking up that I think I don't see that not being a trend going upwards. Like it almost, it's funny. It feels like in terms of Web three gaming traditional gaming is trying to play catch up to like get that kind of community and engagement with people because it's, it's just like a kind of a, while it isn't a different ball game to them, it is because there's a high learning curve for them to get involved with understanding how all that works. And so I'm yeah. curious to see how that goes in the future, because I feel like that's, um, I feel like those people getting involved is a good thing because it will bring more attention to up through gaming to people who would never involve with it or find it otherwise. Absolutely, man. No, totally, totally. I, I think it's definitely a good thing and it's something that is going to continue happening. And they are definitely, big companies are definitely paying attention. Um, you gave a, a couple examples that are huge. Um, but yeah, man, I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be really interesting once we have like those games, um, like fun, repeatable, AAA quality um, games. And they're going to start paying attention for sure to the industry as a whole. And they will have to change the way that they do things because it's what you were saying. Like, it's a complete new paradigm for them. Um, yeah. We do it completely different, differently. And they are not used to it. Like, the, the Web2 industry is not used to being so close to the community, getting that feedback. It's just... It's a complete new thing, and I think they will have to adapt because if you are, if you were part of a game before, um, and then you experience Web three communities and how it goes and how the teams communicate with the community, I would say that the quality for you of being a community member is much higher in Web three, for sure. I will have to say that I'm totally biased, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that from a user standpoint, like you will yeah. prefer to be part of a project that pay, pays attention to you, listens to you, that you are a couple clicks away from communicating directly with the team, uh, rather than 
just trying to get the news from someone on what is going to be going on or if the servers are shutting down and stuff like that, you know? That's how right. I see it. And like even before the advent of social media, I mean, I felt like really the only way like traditional gaming companies could tell they're like, was this game a success or not was based on sales. They're like, well, it sold a million copies in, in this first year, so it must have been a success. But like if people were like, well, this sucks. I hate this part of it or that. There was no, there was no way unless, like, I guess they sent in like a letter. There was no way for them to complain or voice that. Whereas now, at least with social media, um, like they can find out almost immediately. They're like in the first week, they're like, the game is tanking. Here's all the issues people have with it. If we don't send an update and fix it right now, like it could be really, really bad for future sales. So it's really interesting because, like, in the past, like, gosh, I can't even imagine. I mean, props to those people of shipping a game from beginning to end in that era of. You spend years developing a game, spending right. it, you launch it, and you're like, why isn't it selling? And people were like, I don't know. I guess it was just a miss. And you're like, there was obviously reasons behind it, but because there was no way of like getting the market research study out there to figure it out, you're just like, I guess we won't make a game like that anymore. That franchise is dead or whatever the reasoning, you know? Right. Yeah. Now with um, in Web3, um, with the community approach that we take, we have that constant loop of feedback and market research it's it's constant it's constant it's every single day yeah uh, you can imagine how much a product improves if the, if if it has constant uh feedback from the users that are playing it you know like it's it's a huge change and, and it's free market research because you're not having to go out and pay like a third-party firm to like get people who you're like, are they in my demographic? Are they like the ones who would be interested in the game? How do I even know if they're just lying because they're getting paid to come show up and do this thing? Like, you know, you, I feel like you're, you're getting one organic, real uh, market research from a community that actually cares and wants to engage. Yeah, Of course, you need to learn like how not to listen to the um, vocal minority and stuff like that. Like you have to be very careful with it. Um, not the, not all the time, like the people who are the most vocal represent the whole the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. And you have to be able to, in, in a role like mine, to identify when that is happening and when it is something that should be brought up to the team, like um, for a change. Uh, you have to be really, and again, there's no way for you to know that if you are not present in your community, if you're not playing your game, if you're not out there, like just in the in the Discord, like paying attention to what's going on, chatting with people, how are you feeling, stuff like that. It goes back to the basics. Yeah? Well, totally. And so does that fall into like, you know, I'm sure along the journey, um, y'all have run into your fair share of challenges with developing and promoting the game. And I'm wondering if that has, you felt that's mostly just been internal with your community or if there's been any external factors where that you just didn't, that were unprecedented or you didn't, obviously nobody plans for most challenges you know they kind of just come and hit you but yeah um challenges in what sense you mean well so like let's say like um specifically around development and promotion mm -hmm. so the marketing of the game basically well so we could say the marketing of the game as well as you know, I guess issues, I mean, as far as I know, y'all haven't had any issues internally in development and obviously you don't have to share that. But like with marketing, yeah, sure. Like I know you said most of it's been organic, but were there ever issues where you felt like your marketing tactics were just falling short, even though you felt you were marketing to the, the right the right people, the right audience, you know? I think it's, um, it's a constant exercise as well as a company where you have to 
be thinking about, okay, so this product is for who, who will find it attractive, right? And when to go and spend the money on getting those users to you. Um, like if you don't have a complete, uh, fully polished game where you have everything that we've been talking about, you're not going to be able to acquire mainstream audience or mainstream gamers. So why would you go out there, even though if you have like a lot of funding, why would you go and do like a massive marketing campaign if the product is just not there yet? And same happens for when you try to heavily market in the crypto ecosystem when the market is just downtrending. Every single dollar that you spend is going to have like so much less impact than anything that you spend when the market is trending up. It's just the difference is it's day and night. It's literally day and night. So I think we took a it was a good approach that, that we took on like just when the market started to go down and we knew a bear market was coming, just focusing heavily on retaining the current users that really get uh, what we're doing, that have a influence with people like people who are building guilds, people who are creating content, um, people who care about the project, who get the vision who you know will be there for the long term, how do you make sure they will stay with you? Because it's a constant competition for attention out there, basically. Yeah. So the user retention is is key. And I, I, I don't know if that was a long-winded answer to your question, but like just knowing when to focus on like acquisition and retention and having those funnels very well mapped out, I think it's very, very important. Just what? reading the reading the ecosystem and what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I think the important thing to take from what you just said is essentially that, you know, as these, you know, any any challenges that come up is really shifting your directive to best meet them, you know, how, however that's going to best fit your project to your community, you know. And I, yeah. I think the example you've gave fully fits how when you all saw a bear market was coming, you're like, well, sure, we could focus on acquiring more and more new users, but we might lose our current core user base in the process. And that would be a way worse blow than if we just go, that, that's fine to lose new users yeah. potential. If, if we keep the core user base, that's going to do way better for us in the long term. We wouldn't be here probably if we didn't make that decision, I would say. Um, sure, yeah. Well, it would be a complete different uh, company feeling overall. Because yeah. now we have, we have our, our user base and we develop product to together with them. We launch the product to them. We get their feedback from them. If we didn't focus on that, we wouldn't have had that because like, if you're in crypto, you know, like the bull market, everyone is, is here and the bear market, like nobody, it, it's day and night. It's, yeah. it's literally day and night. Man. Like, yeah. Nobody's out there. Like what is going on? <laughs> it's crazy. And it's just yeah. a couple months. And it, it's really just like when, when things are going good, People who really don't give two shits about anything crypto web three related are like, oh, I'm all in. It's the greatest thing ever. Versus, you know who the real ones are because when things are going bad, they're like, I've, I, this is like my third cycle, man. They're like, I've been here, I've been through this before. <laughs> it sucks, but like, I know it comes back. Like, and if it, if it really truly doesn't this time, well, we got bigger things to worry about than that, you know. But like, yeah. I, I think, I think once you've gone, I think the first one is always the roughest for anybody because they're like. Shit, man! Did I buy at the top, and now I'm just I screwed myself. Oh man, out. I bought the top for sure. My first cycle. Um, yeah, we we all have. I've yeah. definitely bought at the top. But you know, I will say that I was always um, 
I was always investing, whether it was at the top or at the bottom, because I was like, I'm, I'm still good. My whole point is just to keep stacking it. I was like, I'm not trying to, you know, yeah. if I make an insane amount of money, that's great, but that's not my end goal ever. I was like, my no, whole point is to just- Because you believe in the tech. You, you believe exactly. in the impact it can have, and you just focus on that, which has the good and the bad. You will buy the tops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And so, you know, you do what you can, but yeah, I mean, I just, I again, I do- I do believe in it so long term and like it's it's hard for me it's so funny having and it's different too because I'm in the US so at least you know it's unfair to say but it's true that I, at least our currency is stable to a degree you know enough that yeah, it's not yeah, it's not it going so I always feel it's so funny there will be times where like I always have like an emergency fund of liquid cash in case anything happens because it's really easy to just be like Oh no, I need to like move into somewhere. I need to get a new car, whatever. It's like, whatever the emergency is, I'm like, well, at least I have the liquid cash to make this, to fix this or not have to do it. Whereas I always feel guilty. I'm like, why isn't this all in crypto or why isn't this all somewhere else? Oh, I'm like, well, man, well then I wouldn't. With that. <laughs> I, exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying is, and also too, like not putting all your eggs in one basket, you know, but I'm also like, yeah. well, the reason I have that liquid cash is for emergencies. Yes, maybe it's slowly losing a bit of value to inflation, but the whole point is, that's not the point is to grow that pot that pot is supposed to be there for an emergency. So it's always funny to like feel that way. Cause yeah, I agree. I'm like, I have to tell myself like, no, nah, dude, that's, that's what it's there for. Don't touch it. <laughs> I, I hide it from myself, man. If I have it in my <laughs> wallet, like it's going all hit into Bitcoin, man. <laughs> it's not a bad way to be, but I, I totally get it. Well, I only have one more question for you, but before I ask that, I wanted to, cause it'll just be a personal question. Was there anything that I missed that we didn't, that you didn't get to cover about Star Atlas or about your community or anything you thought of that you wanted to discuss? I think we went over a bunch of things. No, I'm, I'm, I'm cool. Okay, cool. Well, then the last question I have is, what advice would you give younger folks starting their Web3 project? Oh, man. <laughs> I know. It's a deeper one. <laughs> yeah. And you've given a lot of great advice already, so... <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think uh, my advice would be to know if you're getting into this ecosystem, that you're getting into very young ecosystem, very volatile. Um, here, sentiment shifts by the day. One day, everybody is mega happy. The other day, the industry is about to die. <laughs> it is like that. And if you're building a project in, in Web3, um, transparency is king, I would say. Just building that with your audience. And it's the advice that I can give from my position and my experience as well. Uh, just everything that we talked about uh, before, like being able to to be transparent with your audience and commit to that uh, is going to take you a longer way than anything else. Um, it's going to take you a longer way than greed for sure. And it's the sustainable way of doing things. And in crypto, unfortunately, few people um, think sustainable long-term and <laughs> we need more founders and projects than that focus on that instead of like just trying to make a quick buck and stuff like that which there's it's, it's still a thing um, but i think only the people who focus on and projects that focus on building sustainability for the long term in a transparent way are the ones that are gonna go that are gonna survive and are going to make the real change in the ecosystem. Very well said. Very well said. Well, Santiago, I will have everything you share with me 
to, so people can find you and Star Atlas in the show notes. But where can people check you all out at? Oh, well, you can check Stratlas at stratlas.com. And we have our marketplace at play.stratlas.com. Um, and also on Twitter, Stratlas. You will find us. Yeah, y'all aren't hard to find. You weren't hard to find for me, at least. You were one of the top ones on there. That's how I found you nice. so easy. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, the marketing is working, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Absolutely. Santiago, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. it was, I'm really glad we were finally able to make this happen. I know I've been bugging you on LinkedIn for a while there. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for doing that, man. Because like you were just the first message that you sent me was, I think, one or two weeks before we released Sage Labs. Yeah. Um, and look, it was impossible for me at that time. Sure. But I always had it in the back of my head. Like, I, I, I don't need to forget about the podcast with Matthew. So uh, I'm glad that you kept messaging. <laughs> That's just the nature of podcasts. We just got to keep, well, I, and I also know too, just from having my own busy schedule, I'm like, it's really easy to just not intentionally fall off with things. It's just, it happens. Especially yeah. like you said, when you're like, it's not a good time right now, but I really want to do it. So let's follow up later. Yeah. So, but again, I'm, I'm really glad you were finally making it happen. Um, you know, I definitely would love to have you back on once you all finally have your full finished launch of Star Atlas. We can talk all about that. That'd be great, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Down to join anytime. Well, again, thank you, Santiago. appreciate it. Thank you, man. My pleasure. Well, friends, that's another episode down. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would really appreciate you rating it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you can rate and wherever you listen to and get your podcast. It would mean the world to us and help get this podcast to people who truly are involved in Web3 gaming, blockchain, and cryptocurrency and want to learn more and stay on top of these emerging technologies. If you have any queries, want to reach out about any collaborations or advertisements, as well as want to reach out with any improvements you think we could make on the podcast, please email us at theweb3gamer at proton.me. We would love to hear from you and take every response very seriously. Take care and keep gaming, my friends.